almost everything could be a cause of a gut health issue, which kind of sounds a bit scary (laughs) um, when I put it like that. But the truth is, is that our gut is kind of like the biggest internal interface to the outside world. So it's kind of like our skin, but inside us. Mm. And it's picking up on anything and everything that we come into contact with. All the foods that we eat, not just the food we eat, but if the food was sprayed with pesticides or herbicides, things like that, it's picking up on the stress. It's picking up on even the chemicals that we might use on our skin or to clean our bathroom. Um, It's allergens that are in the air. It's picking up on all of it. And if the right or I should say if the wrong combination team up together for an individual, that could cause a gut issue. Welcome to Retreat Yourself Radio. I'm your host, Kate Williams. I'm a personal trainer, certified health coach and founder of Retreat Yourself. If you're looking for a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life, then you've come to the right place. Each week, I'll be diving deep into what it means to live a life well-lived, holding thought-provoking conversations with some of the world's most inspiring people, leaving you with actionable tips, tools, and takeaways so that you too can lead a life well-lived. So grab a cuppa, sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time to begin your journey to your most incredible life. Hello, everybody. I hope you're all having a wonderful week so far. I have been completely flat out lately getting ready for my wedding, which is next weekend, and I'm super excited. I thought I'd tell you guys because I'm running around like a mad woman at the moment, and I'm preparing for a four-week honeymoon afterwards. So I thought I'd let you guys know, and I will remind you over the next couple of episodes that I'll be taking a break while I'm on my honeymoon. I decided that I needed to practice what I preach and take some time out for me. Since I started this business four years ago, I haven't actually had a proper holiday. So I thought I'd take a month off, which will be absolutely wonderful. So the last episode... Uh, Before the break will be on Feb 26th and then I'm on April 1st with some incredible episodes. So just letting you know there'll be four weeks off. However, onto today's conversation, I can't wait to share it with you. This episode is completely chocker full of information that can help us to improve our gut health. So I'm interviewing the incredible Rachel Larson and she really knows her stuff. If you don't know Rachel, she is a passionate gut health focused naturopath and nutritionist. She helps her patients to find food freedom in their lives, which comes from helping them heal their gut. What sets Rachel apart from others in this field is that she's experienced her own health struggles and so have many members of her family. So she really sees her patients beyond their signs and symptoms and really delves deeper to create meaningful change. We talk about so many things in this episode. I asked 50,000 questions because I find it so interesting and I know you guys will as well. We talk a lot about the gut and mind connection. We talk about causes of gut imbalances and how we can heal our microbiome. We talk about the difference between food intolerances and allergies and why they're so prevalent these days. We talk about the clean 15 and the dirty doesn't and why you should know what they are. And of course, we talk about so much more. Rachel is an absolute fountain of knowledge. I could have spoken to her forever and I know you guys will really walk away with this with so much information. As always, if you're loving what you're listening, I would love if you could post a line and tag us online. It makes me so excited when I see where you guys are listening from. Thank you so much and I hope you enjoy. 
Hi, Rachel. Welcome to Retreat Yourself Radio. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Thank you for having me in your beautiful offices. This place is amazing. I do love it. I'm very fortunate to have a lovely space like this that I can come to and do my thing. Yeah, it's so nice. It's so nice. So... I always like to start my podcast with something that humanizes mm-hmm. us. Yep. I think when we're really good at something or when we're an expert in something or, um, you know, on social media, people can look at you and think that life is perfect and you have it all together. So I like to ask a question that makes you seem really human. So I want to ask you what your quirkiest quality is. Sure. Um, so for this, I had a good think about it and a few came to mind and I thought I better tone it down. There were a couple I could choose from, <laughs> but um, I wanted to share with you what I feel is my sixth sense. Um, and I have a sixth sense for the camera. So um, I, I can never take a candid photo because I can sniff out a camera, you know, in a crowd of people, I'll, I'll see a camera and I'll be camera ready, which is um, <laughs> infuriating. Um, growing up with my mum wanting to take candid photos of me and my sisters, oh. I would just be posing and ready to go. I've sniffed it out. So I guess um, not taking candid photos and just knowing where the camera is at all That's times. Amazing. <laughs> You're just like, you can just... Like see where they are. That's awesome. <laughs> Pretty much. That I have the opposite problem. Like I never know there's a camera there, so I'll have like five chins. Definitely. Or like <laughs> yep, yep. I I I can't. I can try to relate, but I can't. But yeah, <laughs> I see enough of. I see enough bad photos to know that um that that's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You need to like figure out how you do that and then mm-hmm. sell that. <laughs> yeah. If I could bottle it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. So um in my intro, I talk about you and I talk about what you do. I would love for you to explain what you you do in your own words. I think it's always really interesting to hear from the person themselves about what they do. Yeah. So I wanted to like I, I guess a single sentence to, I guess, summarize what I do is I help people find freedom um, through helping them heal their gut. Yeah. And it might be like, well, what does that actually mean? And for freedom for a lot of people is things like being able to eat food because I guess because I'm a gut health focused naturopath Mm. so freedom for a lot of people is being able to wake up and feel confident in their body again be feeling free to go and socialize and eat food with their friends again without feeling fearful of it Um, wearing clothes that fit them um, versus you know at the end of the day feeling really bloated and uncomfortable and I think um, some of the things that we take for granted when we don't have those gut issues, people actually feel quite caged and enclosed um, by that. So yeah. um, I, I help them do that. And I do that through my modalities of my training, which is naturopathy and nutrition. So I, I use the, the herbs, the diet, the holistic way of viewing health um, and help people heal their gut and hopefully live better, healthier more free lives. Mm. Isn't it crazy how food, like we have such an abundance of food around us, yet it, it is so um, like pr- prisoning almost. Like there's so so many people struggle yeah. with freedom around what they eat. Oh, completely. I think food anxiety comes in many different, it can be dressed up in many different ways. Um, and, but it's the same thing. It's a fear of, it's a fear of it. And mm. it's, um, it's really it breaks my heart when I see that, and all I want is for my patients and all my loved ones, which I guess include my patients, mm. to have a really healthy relationship with food and um, see it for what it is, which is um, huge in our social and emotional health. Like it has many more roles than just the the nutrients it gives us. It's yeah. you know I want them to be able to really enjoy it. Yeah. What do you think instills that fear in people? I, I probably a few things. I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, I guess confusion around their own health issues and then being 
confused even further using Dr. Google. I think mm. <laughs> um, the, the many conflicting views around food that are out there, um, perhaps a lack of listening to their own body um, in a way, which I think is something which we're potentially not grown up um, taught how to do or encouraged how to do. Yeah. Um, so I think there are a few things there. Um, social media, I'm sure, plays its role as well. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Definitely in this day and age anyway. Definitely. <clears throat> absolutely. What was your childhood like? Like, did you always know that you were interested in health or? Um, I've been a, a food motivated person probably my whole life. And so I guess, you know, that means, yeah, like I was motivated by food. Like <laughs> if, if it was a reward, that was it for me. Yeah. Um, and also taking food away from me was a bit of a punishment you know yeah, I remember yeah. mum banning lollies which ruined me for you know the whole week that I couldn't have them so I guess food was always something which I had a relationship with um in some way I also but I, I grew up I guess um on a farm with my sisters and we were all being on a farm as well you know we grew food we were in and around organics um so there was always that you know in between my own personal kind of relationship with food and nature um those were kind of the beginnings of where I came to now, yeah. kind of wanting to combine them. But I had a great childhood and um, very happy, you know, yeah. you know, out, you know, climbing dirt mounds, exploring the forests with my sisters. Oh, so, so, yeah, very fortunate. Yeah. Did you experience gut issues yourself? I did. Um, and it kind of, you know, it, 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 as I mentioned, like my childhood was great. Um, lots of good things about it. And it wasn't until I hit puberty, which, um, I, you know, people would be thinking, oh, the hormones hit. And for me, that was the case. Um, and a lot of my health issues started to, you know, rear their head then. And I, um, at the time I didn't know it was a gut issue, but in my journey, I discovered there was a big part of the gut playing mm. out. So, um, I had really bad acne, um, anxiety and depression was something that I, um, experienced and went through trouble, um, maintaining a healthy weight. So, um, in my journey, I, on retrospect, I knew that there was a huge component of the gut, but at the time, um, I didn't know it was a gut issue. Um, yeah. And I also, you know, I guess, did I have gut issues? Well, I was at least aware that there was gut issues, even though I didn't think it was happening to me in the um, in my family. There was um, 50% of my family members. I've got three sisters and a, my mum and dad. Um, you know, three of them have ulcerative colitis. Oh. So, um, yeah, we were painted with that, I guess, ability to have a very bad gut issue in terms of my family. And um, I was very aware that they existed. Um, mm. Just it was presenting itself in a different way to me as it were my other sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. Yeah, cool. There's definitely a lot of talk about gut health these days. Like it is a hot topic. Totally. Yeah. And um, that's that's so exciting for me. Um, we're learning so much more about it. And we, in the last 10 years, we've learned more than what we have probably in forever about the gut um and the technology is just you know and the way that science is evolving and developing we're learning more and more and it's just an incredibly I mean for me it's an incredibly exciting field to mm. be in um and I'm glad we're talking about it it's the trunk of the tree you know if you know you're wanting to use that analogy and everything that branches off that in some way is going to be connected to that trunk, you know, the gut. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They talk a lot about the mind-gut connection as well and the gut being a second brain. Yeah. Do you, do you agree with that? Oh, totally. Um, we have, yeah, we've got like our own nervous system that runs there um, and they, like our brain, um, you know, which we think about the mind, um, 
like they're they're really connected quite heavily there's there's signals going to and from um you know passing information back and forth um and that's changing our responses you know our our body is kind of acting on what what signals are being sent so very true yeah Yeah, amazing so you're obviously you know into a a naturopath and nutrition Mm -hmm. what type of issues would you typically help people with and how would you do that yeah, so um, quite obvious, uh, I guess for me it's quite obvious people come to me with gut issues and that could be anything from um, reflux, food intolerances, food allergies, um, celiac disease, um, gut autoimmune conditions like the ulcerative colitis, but even symptoms like bloating, constipation, diarrhea that don't necessarily have a, a name, so to speak, attached to it. But um, given that the gut is that is connected to everything yeah. I do see other things so that will be you know as an extension I'll be seeing you know low fatigue or sorry low energy slash fatigue yeah. um, hormonal imbalances um, immune dysfunctional low immunity or because that gut's out of whack and um, you know treating it is you know down to the individual but you use things like functional testing and I don't know if you know much about functional testing no um, tell me more yeah <laughs> So um, functional testing is um, the name, as the name suggests, it's so it's a way of testing the function of an organ or a system, mm-hmm. rather than testing for, I guess, the disease state of the organ or system. Yeah. Um, and a good example of that is what we you know, might have heard about is like poo tests or stool tests. Yeah, so yeah. when it picks up things like the type of bugs that are there or the different enzymes that are there, that's actually picking up and um, telling me information about the function of the gut. Um, and it's with that information that I can change the function or assist the the, the better functioning of the gut. Um, so that using functional testing as a way to refine um, what I believe is going on in the person based off their signs and symptoms is a one of the wonderful things that I use that um, in the, you know, since the technology and the science allowed it to be um, mm-hmm. a thing that many of us are using as part of the complementary health world. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. And with, obviously you don't, you do these tests on the gut to see how it's functioning. Yep. When it comes to causes of gut health, like mm. what is the main kind of cause that you would see with somebody experiencing yeah. gut issues? The simple answer to that is almost everything could be a cause of a gut health issue, which kind of sounds a bit scary um, when I put it like that. But the truth is, is that our gut is kind of like the biggest internal interface to the outside world. So it's kind of like our skin, but inside us. Mm. And it's picking up on anything and everything that we come into contact with. Um, All the foods that we eat, not just the food we eat, but if the food was sprayed with pesticides or herbicides things like that it's picking up on the stress it's picking up on even the chemicals that we might use on our skin or to clean our bathroom um it's allergens that are in the air it's picking up on all of it and if the right or I should say if the wrong combination um team up together for an individual that could cause a gut issue Mm. so um a good example is stress and Stress doesn't necessarily cause a gut issue, for example, but it also can. Mm. Given the right amount in the right person and if you've got 
other um, you know causes and triggers happening at the same time, mm. that can be a I guess a risk factor for getting a gut issue. And a gut issue, like we said, could be anything from IBS, constipation, bloating, food intolerances, and all of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's so many different. Like I know that when my gut's out, I have really bad brain fog, totally, and everything. But I just think there's just such a world of information about. Yeah gut health yeah there's probiotics there's prebiotics do you have any an opinion on on them yep um so i always come back to and it's kind of infuriating that there's not just one answer because it always comes down to the individual Mm, yeah what we know about probiotics is that it comes down so the strain that's used so for example when we talk about a probiotic um, you might see the words lactobacillus plantarum 299V. So that 299V is the strain. And what we know about it is that it's that particular strain of the lactobacillus plantarum that is important. Yeah. So you could get other strains and they may not act the same as that particular one. So choosing the right probiotic is is one consideration when someone says my probiotics do or don't work for me. It could be actually a strain issue rather than mm. a probiotic as a whole. Um they also, um, to what, uh, contrary to what many people may believe, is that they don't stay in your gut permanently. Yeah. So when you take a probiotic, in a matter of days or weeks, those bacteria will pass. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, when we talk, and so the next question is, well, what do we do yeah. for, for our gut? Yeah. Um, and the answer is food. It's the number one thing that and the best thing that we can do to change our microbiome, mm. um, which is the whole flora that is in our in, in our gut, um, and that and that um, is what we have to continue and make long term changes. So the food that we eat, being like you mentioned, prebiotics is one of them. Um, they are particularly great for our good bacteria. So we need to be eating more prebiotic foods for long term health changes. And so prebiotic foods would be fruits, vegetables. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, leg- legumes, um, different grains. So if people have heard of um, FODMAP foods, yeah. which interestingly a lot of people can't tolerate and I I question and and that would be a sign that they do have a gut issue that needs to be sorted out um, or addressed and supported by a practitioner Um, but FODMAP foods high FODMAP foods so apples onion garlic um, rye bread um, you know apricots um, black currants all all these different foods um, they're fantastic sources of prebiotics and highly fermentable foods which are just our gut bugs just love and thrive on so do they kind of create a canvas really so I'm trying to picture it in my head (laughs) they kind well the food that we eat is the food that they eat. Yeah. So we're just supply, supplying that with the right food. So we have particular foods that we thrive on um, and those same foods are the same. So we're just giving it their fuel that they need to then populate and grow mm. and, you know, f- making sure we're feeding the right type of bugs rather than um, feeding the wrong type of bugs. So all of those, like we mentioned, the fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, pulses, you're on the money if you're eating lots of those. Yeah, okay. And so like with your gut health Mm -hmm. uh, with your gut bacteria Mm -hmm. there's there's obviously varying strains yep um how do you so say you've got an overgrowth of a a particular type of bacteria yeah how if you're eating the like lots of fruits and vegetables legumes pulses that kind of thing is that going to fuel or feed the good bacteria and eventually it will override the bad bacteria yeah like yes to a degree yeah um so uh, you know there's this 
old school thought of you must kill what's in there to then grow what's in there. And in some cases, you know, let's say there is an overgrowth of something bad um, that may be required. But it is, it's kind of like real estate in there as well, where we can almost kind of bully out the bad guys um, in some cases um, with supporting our good guys, our, our army of good guys. I mean, you think about Inner Health Plus and the Little Blue Men. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of similar to that. And that's not a plug for Inner Health Plus. But <laughs> you sponsored. <laughs> it's like the Little Blue Army where you're just trying to, you're trying to kind of bully out, so to speak, the bad guys. Some cases mm. that will work in other cases, it might be a bit too complex where that may not be enough and you just need to go and you know really find out what's wrong and, and get the specific help for the you know the overgrowth that you think's there yeah, yeah. what do you think about food intolerances yeah so obviously I feel like food intolerances are becoming more and more of a thing yep. these days I don't remember being young and so many people being intolerant to so many different things whether it's that we have the awareness of it now or yep. whether it's that people are actually becoming more and more intolerant yeah do you think do what do you think the reason behind that is do you see a growth in food intolerances or yeah so there is statistically a rise in both allergies and food intolerances um and australia is one of i guess the worst in terms of an increase in that so the, there is a difference between food intolerances and allergies. So allergies is a, an immune-mediated response. So there is an, yeah, an immune response to that food. And an intolerance is when there's like a, a functional or a chemical, um, I guess, reaction to that food. So that's where you think things like enzymes. So lactose intolerance, for example, is different to a milk allergy. Mm. So there would be an immune response to the milk um, protein in that versus an enzyme called lactase that doesn't break down the intolerance. So they're kind of different, but both are on the rise. Um, and I guess to answer your question, what's contributing to that? And I, I believe the answer is the environment that we're living in. Mm, we yeah. are an a reflection of our environment. And if we think about the increase in chemicals that we're exposed to, the stress that we're all experiencing, um, actually probably a, a change, I mean, Melbourne, um, for example, you know, we do have access to good quality food, um, but not everyone does. And sometimes cheap, um, you know, fiber void food is what's accessible. And, you know, it's those kind of things that over time, it's the change in our environment that I think is really driving out our change in terms of food allergies and intolerances. Yeah, definitely. We definitely live in a world that like, there's a lot of food lacking any substance and then the pesticides and everything that we have on our fruits and vegetables. Totally. Do you think that choosing a more organic diet can assist with gut health definitely um yeah and it is again it's that um it's that additional chemical that your bugs will be in uh, be um, in contact with and also have to process and there's some really um you know there's some really damaging um, effects from the ingestion of um glyphosate so um which is one of the roundup um you know which is that's what it is um, in terms of how that affects our own microbiome. So there's some really clear evidence showing that um, foods that have been tainted with that, you know, will most probably affect your microbiome. So where you can, um, choosing organic, and that may not be financially possible. So there's a, I don't know if you've heard of the resource, it's like the Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think, a really great one. Um, so it's, you know, 
um, clean 15 is foods that if you couldn't afford to buy organic, um, they're probably tainted with less pesticides. The dirty dozen is, as the name kind of suggests, you know, completely full of pesticides. And totally. if you can afford to buy any foods that are organic, try to go for those. So that could, that's a compromise that I think is hopefully um, helpful. Yeah. For our listeners that don't mm. know what the Dirty Dozen is, yep. can you tell us what they are? Yeah, oh, uh, you get varying lists, but um, things like apples, strawberries, broccoli, um, celery. So anyone doing celery juice out there, making sure you're getting yeah. your organic celery. But the, the list kind of vary, I think, depending on the country and things like that. But those those are four, but you could very easily Google Clean 15 Dirty Dozen and you'll get a really good idea as to you know what you should or shouldn't be buying organic. I think I think it's basically stuff that's not in a shell really hey yeah or yeah and grown above ground yeah you know a lot of the time the below grounds or the things that you can peel um are kind of protected yeah that's yeah. that's very helpful is there a specific food that you would suggest to somebody who was experiencing i suppose it's hard to say really isn't mm. it because everybody has varying degrees or is there a specific like consistent thing that you're finding with people yep um, to help their gut? Well, yeah, to help their gut or issues that they're experiencing. It's kind of my – the biggest thing that I want all – or everyone to be having is more fibre. Um, but for a lot of the time there's a section of people within that that cannot tolerate fibre. So we go back to a, the IBS um, patient or person who would be told to, you know, maybe avoid FODMAPs as a way of um, – supporting their symptoms Mm -hmm. so there's this fine line between fiber is actually um in like flaring my symptoms versus it's it's now working for me so that's where the subsection of ibs and i don't know if you've heard of SIBO, small intestinal bacteria yeah. yeah so even though we know this this food component being fiber is absolutely imperative to our gut health there's a time and place um, which it doesn't work. Yeah. So for those people, I would say get help so you can tolerate it. But for anybody who can tolerate fiber, that's what you should be, you know, that's that's the biggest thing I think we can be doing for our gut. So like we said at the start, lots of fruit, vegetable, nuts, seeds, legumes, pulses, grains, you know, go for it. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny what you're saying about that. I, I have trouble tolerating fiber. Yep. Um, and I've been, di- or been told that I've got IBS before. Mm-hmm. Um and because you're told all the time to yep. eat lots of fruits and veggies and that they're really good for your gut health. Yep. Um, so if you're experiencing like gas or bloating or um, constipation or diarrhea or whatever, you're probably like, what the hell is going on? Yes. Oh, I, yeah, that is like what I hear from, you know, all of my patients. It's like the number one thing of like, I'm doing all these things that I'm supposed to and yet it's making me feel terrible. Mm. Um, and that's where I'm like, there's clearly something else going on. Mm. You know, if it were, you know, and, and avoiding those foods, it's only temporary relief. Mm. Um, so I, I really challenge the notion that that's the only thing that's going on and that avoidance of those foods is the only way to manage it. I'd really be encouraging them to find the right practitioner um, and maybe ex- be exploring SIBO, maybe exploring digestive enzyme or low stomach acid issues as something else that could be going on. Yeah. 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 What is SIBO? Can you just explain that to the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. So um, SIBO is an acronym that stands for, so S-I-B-O is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And that is when your small intestine, which actually shouldn't have a 
huge amount of bacteria there has too many. So we always think about our gut needing lots and lots of bacteria, but that's actually our lower gut or our colon or our large intestine that is filled with bacteria. There's a big section in our digestive system being the small intestine that doesn't want a lot of those bacteria. Mm. Um, And the reason being is that it's involved in food absorption rather than food fermentation, which is what happens lower down. So when you have a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, these bacteria are doing a fermenting function in the wrong place. And that's Mm. what you can then experience as, um, not blurping, (laughs) burping, (laughs) burping, flatulence, bloating, that's what I meant. Um, All of those really uncomfortable symptoms. And it's not an issue of the food's wrong or um, the guts necessarily. There's bad bugs. It's just there may be a number of bugs in the wrong place that shouldn't be there. So it's just a misplacement, which again, it's again, kind of complex, but it's, um, it's quite simple in terms of how to, how to kind of understand what's going on. It's just the right bugs doing the right thing in the wrong place. Yeah. 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 So interesting. The gut Mm. is just such an interesting. Oh, yeah. My favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think, um, having poor gut health could be affecting people's lives in ways that they don't know? Cause I think a lot of people associate poor gut health with, you know, all yeah, the things we've yeah. spoken about, poor, like, you know, bloated and, and constipation and the diarrhea. Obvious and, symptoms. Yeah. What are some other ways? Well, I mean, you mentioned one before being like the brain fog, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and we get that a lot. So, but it's not always that easy to make that connection between mm. um, what's going on in the head and what's going on in the gut. Um, and like me growing up, my, one of my symptoms of having a bad gut was bad acne, which, you know, wasn't, wasn't really a, a bloating issue it was a, a skin issue mm. um and you know the reason for that is that the gut has so many functions so it's involved in nutrient absorption the immune response um it's involved in neurotransmitters so our nervous system and things like serotonin and dopamine so our happy and feel good hormone um or you know chemical production so when the gut's out these other things also get affected Mm. and in turn that affects that system. So a good example is using skin is when there's an issue with the gut, if there's, you know, constipation present, for example, and there's poor eliminations of, um, you know, toxins or essentially just poo, um, (laughs) it will, it will, it will get reabsorbed when it's sitting in the gut, be circulated and it'll be like, Oh goodness, where can I, where can I go? Cause I can't go out the normal way anymore. And it will look for its backup. And a lot of the time that's skin. So you might actually, your symptom of having, um, a gut health issue could actually Actually be chronic skin conditions. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. Do you think that obviously um, anxiety and depression, mm. I feel like people are becoming more and more, it's becoming diagnosed more and more every day and people yep. are experiencing it more and more. Yep. Would you put a link with that and gut health? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a link. And I think that's, you know, part, it would definitely be something I look at with someone coming to me and seeing me. Um, as part of their care, I'd be thinking, is there something in their gut that could be going on that could be improved? Outside of the gut, I think social media and um, all of that <laughs> plays a huge role and yeah, our absolutely. busyness. Yeah. But bringing it back to the gut, I would definitely be thinking, is there um, is there right signals being made? Are, they, are we in a state of fight and flight, rest and digest? 
um, you know, and those that can affect both mind and gut. And, and thinking also about the nutrition that our gut is, or, and our yeah, our gut is pulling from our food. Are we doing a good enough job of that to then in turn make the chemicals that we need from those nutrients? Mm-hmm. So yeah, lots going on. Yeah, yeah, because like you said, um, like dopamine and serotonin being made in your gut. I know that if I've eaten something really high in sugar, yep. I'll often get really bloated and then I'll get really grumpy. Yeah, and interesting enough, um, or interestingly, the serotonin and dopamine don't actually, you know, they, they don't, people think that they cross and, and get used in the brain, but they don't because they've got other roles in the body. So the um, the serotonin that we make is actually responsible for a lot of our motility or our movement in our gut. So you think about, you know, constipation, that could actually be the issue of serotonin um not been made in the right amounts. Mm. So there's other roles of serotonin rather than just the happy and the feel good. But like you said, like there's still a nervous and gut and sugar and inflammation connection that you can experience as like brain fog, fatigue, irritability. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. It's so complex, isn't it? Yeah. I'm like, I need to come and see you. (laughs) (laughs) Totally can. (laughs) Uh, Is there, is there anything that people are doing that they would think is healthy that could actually be creating a worse condition in their gut? Is there anything specific? Oh, that's a comp. I, I think like they could be. Um, I think potentially self-prescribing is okay. something which I see um, can be problematic. If I was to pick one thing, um, because it is different for everybody as well. Um, the one thing I do see for people is that self-prescribing things that they think are helping that could in fact be exacerbating their symptoms or just wasting their money would be one thing that I see um, So talking about like a probiotic or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I'm all for people being engaged in their health, but I guess there's a point where it's like, okay, I I can't, you know, I don't know enough about this to treat it um, effectively. And I think more so than probiotics, um, people using like herbal antimicrobials or, you know, herbal or um, like kind of bug gut killers, Mm. um, for lack of a better phrase. Um, so a good example of that is citrus seed extract or oregano oil. Um, you know, they are being used probably too frequently or without real understanding as the impact that they have. Mm. Um, and that, that can have actually its own problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. (laughs) My mind is like blowing right now. So many questions. So, so, so good. If you were to give our listeners like one piece of advice for improving their gut, um, because just, it's a common, it's a common complaint from so many people. Like everybody's experiencing it. What would that be? Yep. Um, I would probably say diversity in the diet. Mm -hmm. So what that means is aiming for 40 plus Um, different plant-based foods per week. And it sounds like a lot, but it could be as simple as, you know, you're always choosing the red capsicum. How about you choose the yellow today? Or let's say, you know, brown rice is your go-to. Why don't make it a red rice? Or, you know, loading up your chicken salad with different herbs and spices. Um, They're easy enough ways to increase the, the types and the amounts and the diversity within your diet. And the diversity in your diet is what keeps your bacteria diverse. And we want mm. that. So just choosing, you know, next time you're at the supermarket, pick a different um, bok choy, pak choy, 
pick the other one that you don't normally pick or, <laughs> you know, put some dill on your salmon or something like that. And it's those little things that you do consistently can be, be massive. Yeah. That's so, that's so good because I had a lot of fruit and veggies, Yep. but I tend to always buy the, when you said red capsicum, I'm like, I always buy the red capsicum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you got your favorite apple. It's like, yeah. choose the random one that comes out, you know, once a week in the apple season, like really just Make the same choice, but make a different choice. I just feel like apples, that's a real, you know, you're really playing, you're yeah. playing with fire there because you might get a flowery one and that's Which no is good. honestly the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on fad diets? Because obviously there's so much popping up all the time about like keto yeah. or like low carb or paleo, like shake diets, all of that kind of yeah. thing. I don't know what your take on is, uh, is on it or whether it impacts the patients that you see. Can you tell us your opinion on Yeah, on such that? a great question and I, I could talk about this for such a long time so I'll try to keep it, you know, oh, no, keep it contained. <laughs> um, I, I've got a couple of general rules because ultimately the best diet is the individual diet. It doesn't have to have a name. Um, it can be a blend of diets if that's what you feel works best for you. Um, but a couple of rules – or that I, I really want to um, support and instill in my patients and I guess my message um, is restriction um, of big food groups will have an impact on your microbiome. So I think about things like keto. Um, there is absolutely evidence to support that that can really help with blood sugar regulation. So there is a subset of the population which I would say, yes, under the right conditions for the right amount of time, no problem. But when we know how the gut works, um, what we know is that long-term high-fat and high-protein diets um, are associated with a less favourable gut microbiome profile. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, one example of keto working really well in one section and not the other. Um, anything that is too restrictive or relying on packet, like, you know, shakes, diet and things like that, I'm not a fan of mm. um, as a general because what we were talking about at the very start, food anxiety, it's that idea of restriction and feeling like there's only a very small amount of foods that they can choose from and, um yeah, it can create its own issue. It's like this, this orthorexia, this, they're almost too health aware. Mm. Um, and that wouldn't be something which is sustainable, long-term healthy in many, many ways. Um, so I guess diets can have their place. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all diets have their place, you know, keto, short-term, right person, no problem. Mm. Intermittent fasting is another one. Also fantastic for the right person. Maybe not for someone who's experiencing um, burnout or, you know, what a lot of people know as adrenal fatigue. Um, you know, that can also maybe not be the best thing for them, but in someone else, perfect. Yeah. So um, fad diets, I would just really be thinking about and coming back to yourself and thinking what is working for me. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be paleo in its truest form. It could be paleo with the exception of blah, blah, blah. And that, yeah. that's your diet. That's your individual diet. Yeah. It's I suppose it's really down to the person. Yeah. Depending on your stresses and your yeah. relationships yeah. and everything that you've got going on Absolutely. in your life. Absolutely. Your food intolerances, you know, are you someone who's hungry in the morning versus evening? Do you exercise a lot? You know, there's just so much that goes into it. Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. When you're working with a client, so do you just, um, you diagnose first what's going on? Well, yeah, as a naturopath, I guess the word diagnosis we don't do. So a GP does diagnose. Um, but we, we really like to, so it's this big information, you know, exchange at the beginning. It's like, what's been going on? How long has it been going on? Did you know, it's really about who are you and how did you get to where you are? And once we have a bit of an idea, we choose the best option as to what we think at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I guess the whole message is that everyone's different and what you think is a rule will not apply to someone else. It's kind of like the same in terms of getting them to a place of a healthy diet. There's many roads to the same destination. Yeah. And so you, with that information, you, 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 you make the best assessment as you can at the time. And very frequently for me, sending off a functional testing, um, you know, and, you know, being really specific with what test you want done might be something I carry out sooner than later just to refine and confirm what I believe is going on based off signs and symptoms. Mm. So it's its own journey, but um, definitely that information exchange um, is what we need. Yeah. 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 Amazing. I love that. <laughs> I think that, we, you know, at Retreat Yourself, we believe that um, true health is based on multiple different things. Yep. So we've developed what we believe to be the 10 pillars. Um, and it's essentially, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Like mm. health and wellness is not a one size fits all, exactly like everything that you've been talking about. And ultimately, yep. I think when it comes down to gut health, um, diet and everything, it all comes back to how you're feeling. Yes. Um, so I always like to finish <laughs> every podcast by asking um, questions around our 10 pillars that are uh, kind of specific to you yes. and um, what, you know, what kind of aligns with your profession as well. So I'm going to start by talking about mind. Yep. I always start with mind. I think <laughs> it's really important. Um, obviously, stress uh, can create um, a, a bad stomach environment yep. or affect your gut bacteria, what would you say your biggest tip if someone came to you who was experiencing a lot of stress, what would be your number one tip for them to lower their stress? Yeah. So based off my experience as well, um, there's two things actually. Um, we want to break the stress cycle, I guess, because it works in a bit of a cycle, the stress mm-hmm. response. So there's two ways to do it. One of them is, um, but they're both, I think, quite manageable and easing. Um, a 20 second hug can help break that stress cycle. So hugging a loved one, hugging a pet, hugging a dog, hugging your housemate, if they will allow it. Hugging <laughs> a stranger. <laughs> Good luck with that. Tell me how that goes. Can cut that stress cycle. So, you know, that's one way to manage it is just that human connection. Mm. The other for me, which is so important to me is regular exercise. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be long, strenuous, but movement. So for me, it's walking and yoga is like, you know, I'd be saying, um, exercise and hugs, yeah. <laughs> manage your stress with exercise and hugs. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. That's all you need to do. Exactly. <laughs> Hug away. Uh, so nutrition, what mm-hmm. do you think is the best food for gut health? I think it was, the, I think it's diversity, diversity in the diet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, those 40 plus different plant-based foods per week. Yeah. Um, and like what we were saying before, if there's issue tolerating those, see a professional so you, you can get to a place to then be able to achieve that. Mm, yeah. Amazing. Movement. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular, cause we always think about gut health and we always think about food. Yep. Is there any particular kind of movement that you think is good for gut health? There's some little exercises that um, you can do to improve your gut health. And it's kind of similar to that gut brain connection, um, working on a particular pathway called the vagus nerve. Mm. Um, And again, free, very easy to do. One of them is deep, um, 
deep belly breathing, the diaphragmatic breathing. So making sure you see that belly extend in and out. So doing that one to two times a day. The other one, which is kind of annoying for everyone around you, but it's actually, but great for you is humming. Um, so you can hum like, um, like used in yoga, um, quite commonly, or even humming your favorite song. It can really calm down this vagus nerve, which, um, changes the the type of nervous system we work in it it changes us to work in a bit of a rest and digest place of the nervous system and obviously with that rest and digest focus our digestion can be better Mm. so hum away can you please tell me i'm going to go sidetracked a little bit here (laughs) can you please tell me a little bit more about the vagus nerve yeah so it's this big nerve that runs in between the the gut and the brain um and well, the gut and our, our um, nervous systems, because our brain is one sort of nervous system called the central nervous system, but there's also part of that gut-brain connection or gut-mind connection, the autonomic nervous system, and made up of that is the sympathetic nervous system, which we know as fight and flight, think fear, running away, stress, that's where you'd be working in, and the parasympathetic nervous system is the rest and digest part. There's also the enteric nervous system, which is our the nervous system in our gut. And as there, this is one last thing, sorry, <laughs> so many acronyms, the HPA axis, which yeah. is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is this stress kind of cycle we go in. So knowing that now, what happens is like our vagus nerve kind of connects all of those. Mm. Um, and it's sending messages down and up from the gut. So down from the brain, up from the gut. And with that information, it's telling our immune system and our nervous system and our hormone system to create and produce different responses to what it picks up. So it's this really big kind of information pathway and signaling pathway based on that. So humming um, and deep belly breathing can can improve what they call the vagal the vagal tone, and it helps that work in a place of rest and digest a bit more. Mm. Does that make so? That was so much jargon. I'm so sorry. No, like, no. I, I feel like there's so many big words in your profession. I'd constantly be tongue twisted. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I, said, if I said anything wrong, then so be it. <laughs> so sometimes I don't know what I say. Either. I feel like I could ask you questions for hours. I'm so interested oh, in all you. of this. So I could just keep asking you more and more questions. But <laughs> yeah, there is a limit to some point. Yeah. yeah. yeah Totally. So love um, is one of our uh, 10 pillars. Yep. I think love is such an important part. As you said, like go and give someone a hug when you're feeling stressed. Definitely. Love is your love for yourself. It's your relationships. It's your family. It's it's everything. Um, what would you say when it comes to self-love? And I think a lot of the time diet and uh, you know, looking after your gut health comes down to self-love. Like you have to be able to, you have to have that love and respect for yourself to, in order to look after yourself. Yep. What would you say is like one non-negotiable self-love activity? Um, for me, it's yoga. Mm. Um, the other one would be, I'm answering with two responses. You're saying, what's one thing? I'm like, I'll give you two. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love that. Um, the other one is eating with honesty. Um, and it's, you know, I've really taken on that motto or, or that um, principle myself this year. It's if I want um, ice cream, I have ice cream, um, regardless if it's deemed healthy, unhealthy, nourishing, unnourishing, it is actually nourishing to me because it's what I feel like. And I'm being honest with myself mm. with that. Eating days that you are hungry versus not eating days that you're not hungry it's again just being honest with what your body needs are and that's a really big thing with self-love I love that so much because yeah we're so conditioned to be like can't have the ice cream need to eat like three meals a day like if you're not feeling like it that day then 
Oh, who, yeah, it doesn't matter because it's what you do consistently that matters versus what you do, you know, as a once-off. Mm. Um, so consistency is the key and, and that way, like, if you, yeah, you know, want to have, you know, two tablespoons of almond butter for lunch that day, then that's what you do because, that, damn it, that's what you want to do. And it's so delicious. <laughs> if somebody came – so one of our um, other pillars is purpose mm-hmm. and – Purpose is a funny one. A lot of people yeah. don't quite understand what it means. And really it's, it's you know, having something bigger than you in your life that drives you, yeah. really. So if somebody came to you and asked you how do they find their purpose, obviously you've gone down a clear path that you're really passionate about mm. and that you love. What would a piece of advice you would give to them be? I think something which um, I've had to do as well would to not be afraid of what comes up. Mm. It may be really scary if it's completely different to where you are currently in your life or you find a passion in an area which you never thought it would be in I guess my advice would just be not be afraid of it lean into it Mm. and um just go for it yeah yeah love that (laughs) (laughs) me time what sort of level of importance do you place on me time yeah huge um (laughs) I think for everybody you know they've got their version of that if you're introvert extrovert you know there's a a ratio of me time that you're going to need um but for me with my role being all about supporting and helping and uh, holding space for others it's you know I'm I'm a, a big giver and um where I go to yoga um there's a wonderful yoga teacher Jean and she's always talking about filling her cup and you know how do you do that so for me you know, you can't give from an empty cup. So my me time is all about filling my cup um, so then I can keep giving. So mm-hmm. however you choose to do it. So me time is, it gets filled with a lot of things, but the, the point of me doing that is so I'm filling my own cup, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's easy to give constantly and yeah. not realize that your cup's empty. Totally. Definitely. I definitely find that with myself. Like sometimes I will be go, 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 go yep. and realize that I've got really nothing left to give. So it's all about refilling that back up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And people need to be topped up at different times. Yeah. You know, it might be a really big pour versus just like a slow drip of filling it up. But yeah. I think that's that, you know, that image of a cup, you know, sits really like, I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Um, sleep. What is the impact of sleep on our gut health? huge um you know i'm just like everything impacts the gut so you know it's our big time of um you know recovery rejuvenating um so when we talk about gut healing so much of that happens at night because there's a real focus on that in the body so when we're in the in the daytime our focus is shifted to our muscles our brain there's you know we're working and moving beings Mm. at night it's all about cell rejuvenation cell recovery so you know when we are talking about gut healing we need to actually um factor in that sleep is a very important part of that Mm, yeah Yeah. so and i think that's another thing that a lot of people forget about is like sleep because we're so go 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 it's like uh, I'll be okay with just five hours. Yep. But it's like, no, you actually need that to regenerate. Now. Absolutely. I mean, sleep deprivation is a form of torture, you yes. know. So when you think about that and how torturous it can be for the body, mm. um, you know, it's and it's a little bit more sinister than that in our day and age where it just could be, you know, consistently only getting five hours where you're running but you're suboptimal. But when you think about it in terms of the other um, ways it influences the body, I think somebody, if they have a gut healing goal and if they were to understand that there's a connection and an importance of having sleep perhaps that might move up their priority in terms of sleep which you know i know it's 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 its own issue for some people but i'd really i do place importance on it yeah amazing 
Environment. So environment is the world around us and it's also our home environment. Yeah. Um, so it's the things that we use in our home. It's yeah, the, the planet that we live on. Obviously, we've spoken about toxins and stuff affecting your gut health. Yep. What is something, you know, and we go outside and we can't help but be affected by the environment. Totally. You know, They're everywhere. Got, yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you think, what's a way that somebody can kind of detoxify from the impact of environmental toxins? I think coming back to food choices is ultimately um, the biggest thing, and especially if we're thinking from a gut health. So it's the food that you have. So where you can, when and where you can buy local, seasonal, organic, and coming back to the clean 15, dirty dozen, the really good way of doing that. But, you know, um, we all know that to reduce our plastic use, look at more glass, you know, switch over to, um, you know, I guess cleaner, so to speak, body care. But if we're talking food, you know, in relation to gut, local, seasonal, organic would be my advice. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So... Fun. Our last, our last pillar that I'm going to ask you today, and one of the most important. Yeah. I think. I think it's so important to have fun. I think a lot of people forget about that when they think of health and well-being. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite activity to clear your mind and just have fun? One of my favorite things to do is I'm. I love a good movie. Like I will sit down and watch something sci-fi. I'll watch something <laughs> that's you know a thriller. But it, for me, that's just the ultimate like. I, I'm just so like that to me is just such a good way of me switching off. Yeah. So binging a good TV show, I'm also open to suggestions on that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I do lots of things for fun, but I really love that, and that's something that I can do. You know, most days um, that just you know I. I'm not in my own body at the moment. I'm just really enjoying what's in front of me. Absolutely. I think TV's gotten a bad rap over the years. And ever since, like, I never used to watch any TV, like, didn't even have a TV for a while. And then when I started Retreat Yourself, like, four years ago, I started watching more TV than I ever had before. It wasn't just, like, normal primetime TV. It was, like, TV shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's just such a great way to switch off, isn't it? It is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I do – I love music, seeing friends, all those things. But, you know, my real – you know, my real thing that I just, you know, thought I'd share is, like, I just love watching a good movie. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Love it. It's been such a pleasure to have you you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been amazing. And I feel like everybody listening will get so much from it. I definitely know that I have. I hope so. Yeah. So where can people – find you yeah so um i've got my instagram rachel.larson that's l-a-r-s-o-n there's like seven ways of spelling that um <laughs> i'm on i've got um the website rachellarson.com.au um you know i i take patients so i work with them on on programs um i i've got a lot of free resources that are, you know can really help people or I at least start to help people on their journey so mm. a free webinar and a few things like that but i'm on the web um you know you can search that see me and find me on Instagram and I love hearing from them so if they have any questions that I can answer in uh, that capacity you know shout out amazing I love that and I'll put all of your links into the show notes as well fantastic amazing Thank thank you so much for being on the show thank you so much just wow. I could have literally sat and chatted to Rachel for hours. I'm sure you'll agree that Rachel really knows her stuff when it comes to the gut. What I love most is that her advice is actually realistic, which means having great gut health is actually really achievable. I will put all of Rachel's links and her website in the show notes in case you wanted to reach out. I hope you've enjoyed listening along to today's episode. And as always, I would love for you to leave me a review. It only takes two 
two seconds of your time and it really helps to reinforce uh, and let me know that I'm on the right track. Thank you so much, guys, and I'll catch you next week. Bye.